Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Timothy Braun is a writer based in Austin, Texas, whose dog Dusty did so much positive nonprofit work with him and their community that the mayor of Austin even named a special day of the year in Dusty's honor. Tim found a relationship with Dusty that has and will continue to impact him forever. Tim, thank you so much for joining us today at Dog Save the People. Where are we speaking to you from? I'm currently in Austin, Texas. I'm in my uh, office at St. Edwards University. All right, cool. What do you teach at St. Edwards? I'm an English professor. I primarily teach playwriting and screenwriting, and I teach a potpourri of classes. Later today, I teach Introduction to Creative Writing, where my students will be turning in poems. Fantastic. How long have you been there? I've been with St. Edwards University for 11 years now. I moved to Austin 13 years ago. I love Austin. I've been I've been there a couple of times. Um, my siblings took me down there for a birthday trip, and we had such a nice time and great weather. And it's a really cool town, so it must be a nice place to to be able to do what you what you do. So, Tim, I discovered your work uh, from an article that you wrote for the New York Times. I've written two pieces for the New York Times about Dusty, and I'm assuming you're talking about the one in where I get married at the end, correct? Yes, it's, it's yes. from the Modern Love. <laughs> yeah. And um, I have to tell you, I reread it again this morning, and I had a really good, I had a good cry. It's a very beautiful, very emotional story. So tell me a little bit about Dusty. Where and how did you meet him? Uh, it was 11 years ago. This was right after the housing crisis that really hit Austin very hard. Uh, yeah. what, ha- what happened was is that before Dusty, I was a playwright that was bouncing around from city to city, from residencies to fellowships, and basically anything that I could just put on my back and get moving with was my, my life for a long period of time. And I wasn't even looking for a dog. It was August 17th, and August 17th in Austin can be very hot and humid. Yes. And I was uh, running around this lake that cuts through downtown Austin. Uh, what I mean running, I mean, I was actually, I was jogging. And okay. uh, I was getting very hot, and there was the animal shelter. So I stopped off there to get some water, and mm-hmm. I said, well, while I'm here, why don't I cool down? I'll take a look at some of the dogs. And at this phase, because of the housing crisis, people were just abandoning their dogs as they left their homes. Wow. So yeah. the shelter, sadly, at that point in time, was almost 50% kill rate. As soon as you walked into the pins, the dog that's the first one you encounter is the next dog that they're going to put down. Wow. And then the second dog is next in line and so on and so on. It's a great way, of course, to get the guilt trip going. Oh, yeah, that's, oh, that's yeah. very effective. And Dusty was in the second cage. Wow. And so I took him out for a walk, and he was very friendly. Uh, he always had a smile on his face. <laughs> Uh, this one blue eye and one brown eye was very charming, and I, I sat down and and I thought, well, it, this will be like for me, for a guy who's you know a Rolling Stone, this will be moss, you know, <laughs> this will this this will be something I got to take care of. So yes. I put I put a hold on Dusty for a day. Yep. I went away and I did the math, and I, of course I'd have to playwrights. I, I'd hate to break it to you, but playwrights we just don't make a lot of money. <laughs> he was going to need shots. He was going to yep. need food. He's going to need toys. The next day, I was actually driving by, and not running by, but just driving by uh, to buy some groceries. And I thought, I wonder if that dog is still there. And I walked in. It was a Sunday. 
and he was sleeping on a cot in that second cage. And as I looked at him, he woke up and looked at me and smiled. And I said, stay here. I'm getting you out. Wow. And so took him home. And he really grounded me as just a person, but also as a writer, because I get plenty of rejection letters mm-hmm. and he didn't care. <laughs> he said, listen, man, I want to, I want to go outside. I don't care about your playwriting career. I want you to go outside. I want to, want to play. I'm going to lick your face. I want to share that pizza with you that, you know, those kinds of things. Yes. And then the great thing is, is that when I wasn't getting rejection letters, when I get all of the acceptance letters and I get the fellowships and stuff like that, Dusty didn't care. He wanted, (laughs) he wanted to go outside. He wanted to play in the sun. He wanted to sniff things and, and eat pizza with me and, uh, and watch movies and those kinds of things. And he really kept me grounded in that sense of, I just referred to it as a playwriting career. I don't really think anybody makes a career out of playwriting. It's fun. I love it. And it's been very good to me. But uh, he helped balance what was the important things in my life. And really, uh, I started to open up and begin to notice things that I was taking for granted. One night in particular, uh, as I said, we were often watched movies together. And he would sit on the sofa with me. And I had all the lights out, as I always do when I'm watching a movie. And he jumped up and started running around. Uh, he was clearly following something that was in the air in our living room. Right. He turned back to me with this gigantic grin, and the light of our television was splashing over his face. And right above the television, I saw what it was. It was a firefly. It was this wow. little, green, little green bug. It said, and the look on Dusty's face was, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Did you see, are you, are you not amazed? Are you not impressed with what I am looking at right now? And I was like, yeah, that actually, <laughs> fireflies are pretty cool. I, <laughs> I that was great. So that's, yeah, that's, that's how we met and how we started to do stuff. What a great story. Now, what, what did he look like? What was Dusty's breed or mix? He was half Australian shepherd uh-huh. and half Siberian husky. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. One blue eye and one brown eye. Mm. And he had a giant, big, squirrely tail. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This uh, And uh, a lot of people asked if he was part corgi. That kind of gives you a little sense of, of uh, how he looked. Okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And you said uh, that you guys traveled quite a bit together. Well, when I found Dusty, I was engaged to a very nice woman, but it was not working out. Uh-huh. We broke up. And in the... The process, that's when I wrote my first modern love story about Dusty, and this was 2012. And the fan mail started to come for him, not for yes. me. Trust me on yeah. this. Yeah. And my agent said, hey, you're getting a lot of, uh, a lot of attention with this story, this first, the first one on how you adopted him. Why don't you, you know, you're, you're a traveler. What if you traveled with Dusty, sort of like the, uh, the John Steinbeck book, Travels with Charlie? And I also have a background in history and uh, social media. And I was beginning to notice about 2012, things like Facebook and Twitter and all those kinds of things. We follow the people we like. Yes. And in the process, we don't go outside of our bubbles very often. And I thought, I'd like to travel the country with this incredibly friendly dog. Because everybody stops me when I'm walking Dusty to say hi. Mm. Strangers say, can, can I pet him? What kind of dog is this? Well, you just broke the ice. Yes. And so 
we went around the country with Dusty essentially as the carrot and people would come to us and then I'd say, hey, I'm, I'm a writer. You have a story. Well, you can pet Dusty and tell me a story or where are you at in your world? Where are you at in your life? And we ultimately traveled to 28 states. We interviewed Katrina survivors, Hurricane Katrina survivors yep. in New Orleans. Uh, it was 10 years after the storm. We stopped off uh, at a cemetery in Louisville to scatter 11 herbs and spices on Colonel Sanders' grave. Uh, we, we, we were just guessing. That's great. Sports-wise, I'm an Indianapolis Colts fan, so on our way to Detroit, we stopped off in Indianapolis and went to Lucas Oil Field, where they gave him a Indianapolis Colts collar, uh, which was really neat. Wonderful. We did get into trouble in Detroit. We went to the GM building because it had been eight years after they had been bailed out by the Bush administration. Yes. And they thought it was cute that I brought in this cute dog, and I, I guess they thought I was going to do some kind of really nice interview, and I wanted to know where all the money was in helping out Detroit. And that's when the sheriff showed up and showed us out the door. <laughs> <laughs> I wear that as a badge of honor, personally. When you are with a dog, it, it's such a conversation opener and stimulator, yes. and you meet... So many people because dogs, they democratize everybody. Everyone is the same. And um, it's really, it's, it's an astounding, wonderful thing. And I love that you brought Dusty on this great adventure. It sounds like he had a fantastic life. He did. And we, um, in 2016 is when he ran for president and our, uh, did he get a close third? I like to pretend that he did. Yes. Uh, what, what, <laughs> well, what we did was we were going to the presidency always seems to revolve in one way or another around Florida. And, uh, yes, it was like the one state we hadn't really been to that I definitely wanted to try. And so we were going to go in there and talk to people about who are they going to vote for Hillary or Trump. And this was the summer, this was months before the actual election. His role pivoted uh, heavily. We were staying at uh, a friend's house in Baton Rouge. And early in the morning, my phone lit up with a push notification from the New York Times that there had been a shooting in Orlando. And so I decided to kind of take our game plan and throw it out the window because I could tell this was something really important. And it was the Pulse nightclub shootings. And oh, gosh. When we got there, of course, the police had it all cornered off, but everybody was out in front with chalk writing, you know, we love you, or prayers, everybody's praying, everybody's crying. And he became a therapy dog. We had multiple people come up, and if you were crying, he did a good job of licking your face. Wow. Getting those tears away. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, multiple people said to me, thank you so much for bringing this dog. So... In that, uh, we also started working with a lot of nonprofits. You could get your picture taken with Dusty for $20, and it will go to uh, my students working with Habitat for Humanity, going to right. places to build houses. And uh, Cancer Walk one time, uh, he raised some money for cancer. And you guys did a, a very special type of fundraising idea. Yeah, there was a couple. Uh, the the Fusebox Festival uh, in Austin, which is an arts festival, Right. if you gave them $200, Dusty and I would take your dog on a date, and we designed it. <laughs> there were multiple dates. Uh, and it was, you know, it was sort of like a lady in the tramp kind of thing. And then yes. I, would write you, I would write you an essay about the experience with your dog that you could frame and, and have. Uh. Other things that we did, too, we, we would use crowdfunding and sourcing. I also had grants and stuff like that. But the probably the most fun one uh, for twenty. If you gave us twenty five dollars from the road, 
we would get an old fashioned postcard wherever we were. And I'd write you a note on where we were and what we were doing. And because Dusty had one blue eye, I had a paw print made, sort of a stamp made of his paw. And I, I, I had some blue ink. And so I would always sign it with his paw. Uh, so, uh, people told me that was one of their favorite things was getting a postcard in the mail from where we were and what we were doing. Oh, I bet. That's amazing. Now you mentioned that Dusty on a personal level became the manager of your life. And we spoke a little bit about this, but how, how did he do that for you? Outside of keeping me grounded about like how my job is going and being a writer or just being a professor, it can be very stressful. He would get me up in the morning. I, I didn't have time to get down on myself or, you know, I, oh, I blew that one interview for a tenure track job or something mm -hmm. along those lines. Again, he didn't care. Uh, Dusty would get me up at three in the morning and we had to go for a walk. And in the process, well, I'd have to think a little bit the night before on what I had to do. And I couldn't do things like go out to bars. Right. If I went to see a play, uh, oftentimes, you know, actors, would, you want to go out and have a drink or something. And we, I, I, I couldn't do that, you know. And that's, I think, a really good thing. So he would get me up. I, I will admit, since he's passed away, I've gained a little bit of weight. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, because he'd get my blood pumping, get my blood flowing. Nice. And uh, in the process of that, you know, I'd have to pay attention to when he had to go get his shots and when he had to go to the vet. And I said, wait a minute, I need to go get my shots. I need to go and get cleaned up, too. I've got to go to a doctor. I didn't go to a doctor's for years. Right. That's just you, you have to. Yes. I would always find an excuse like, well, I'm too busy or I'll do it next month or something. And so I started coordinating his doctor visits with uh, my doctor. Visits. Oh, I love it. So. Well, it's it's true. So I'm I'm single and I have uh, three dogs that get me up at 5 a.m. So they actually let me sleep in a little bit more than Dusty let uh -huh. me sleep in. And but they've they've kept me honest and I don't go out late at night. And I, I mean, I literally will race home from anywhere because I just see their I just see the three of them like standing by the door waiting to to play and go out. And um, but I, I love it. I love I love knowing that that's what I'm going to be coming home to. And it's, yes. it's a wonderful feeling. So um, speaking of single life, so you and Dusty were um, two bachelors for quite some time. Yes. Some of your friends started thinking that it might be time for you to to get back out on the market. Yeah, I, I personally thought my life was perfect. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, had, uh, I had exactly the kind of truck that I wanted to have, and I had the perfect dog, and I had what I call a CLP, a cute little place. It's not too big. It's not too small. Yeah. I have Ikea furniture and everything, and it's, uh, I, I thought everything was perfect, and I had gone on a couple of dates, but in fairness, uh, here and there, friends would try to set me up with other friends, and they were always nice people. But at the end, I always just couldn't wait to get home to Dusty. Right. Uh, and so some friends uh, signed me up for two dating websites. Uh, one is called OkCupid. Yes. Uh, yep. And the other one is called Tinder. And, sure. Yeah. And uh, I, of course, used pictures of myself, but it was mostly pictures of Dusty. And I was not matching with anybody. And I just didn't get it. I Well, I... Come on, I, I've got a job. I've got all my teeth. I've got an adorable dog. Uh, what's going on here? And, uh, and it was my friend Rachel said, you are, um, you're swiping the wrong way. And that is Tinder, if you're, if you're unfamiliar. If you swipe the person's picture in one direction on your phone, it says, no, thank you. And if you swipe in the other direction, 
it says, yeah, it says, hey, I'm, I'm interested, which you, you know, and if you both match, if you both swipe in the right direction, you, you go on a date. Hopefully. Oh, interesting. Yes. Uh, so no wonder I wasn't getting asked out because I was saying no to everybody. <laughs> so now I learned the proper way to swipe. And on my first swipe, I met Ilsa Frank. We went on a date. And we got married four months ago. Oh, is that recent? Yeah. Wow. And so, how did that? How did that sit with Dusty when um, when she came into your guy's life? He was pretty cool with it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Now, in fact, I think he was cooler than I was at first. <laughs> this is a lot of commitment. She wanted to do things like, uh, she, you know, I I'm not eating pizza with a dog anymore. She wants to actually cook things and like right. salad and Brussels sprouts. And I go, okay, that's fine. Well, <laughs> and Dusty learned a lot. Uh, and we'd watch movies together and do certain things. The thing is that Ilse is a cat person and initially had uh, two cats when I met her. One p- passed away. was very old. When we got engaged, she started to move her things in, which included her cat, Dorian Gray. I was very surprised. Dusty was cool with this. In the past, he wasn't cool with cats, but they got along really well. And uh, Dory and Gray and Ilsa were there when uh, Dusty passed away. Uh, we all sat down on the ground of our condo. And so it was, it was something else. He really couldn't walk anymore. And mm-hmm. we had a wonderful group of, of people come to our, our home. I wanted to make sure that he died in his condo. Yes, that's uh, great. It was, it was his castle. I actually bought the place really for him. And we had a yeah. dog run on the property. And, yeah. Oh, beautiful. And it says here that this was something that really touched me, that when you picked up his, his ashes and his, and his urn, you put the urn in the back seat and you belted it in. Yes. I was in such a state that when we picked up his ashes, it was the day before my wedding. And yeah. my, my best man was in from Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And uh, he insisted that he go with me because he knew Dusty quite well, of course. And uh, picked him up and belted him in, in, belted the urn into the back seat. Yeah. Uh, and then on our way home, as opposed to taking the highway, I had, it was way in North Austin. I decided we were going to take a scenic route and just drive by all the parks and the pizzerias that we liked. We got a really good New York style pizzeria here called home slice. Okay. And they had, uh, that was sort of our treat. Uh, I get a couple of slices of home slice or something along those lines. So, uh, just on the way home, taking Dusty's ashes home, I just uh, drove by all the places, the, the parks that he loved and, uh, you know, the place where we'd get pizza. I thought that was the right thing to do as opposed to maybe taking the highway or something. Nice. And your wife, so your wife's name is Ilsa? Yes. And how was she, did she love Dusty as well? Yeah, she definitely warmed up to him, being a cat person. Yes. As, as, as she said goodbye, she, you know, she said that this was the, the, the dog that turned her on to dogs. Um, yeah. We were at a baby shower yesterday with some of our friends, and mm-hmm. they said, uh, so are you, are you going to get a new dog? Are you gonna get, well, I... First of all, Dusty found me, but it is is part of the agreement on getting married. I I let her know Dusty was not my first dog. And when it's time, he's not going to be the last one either. So, uh, so he really helped her because she had never had a dog before. Uh, He really helped her kind of show the differences between cats and dogs and they got along great. Yeah. And I thought what I need to do is, I, I just prepared myself that I knew that being a writer, 
I was going to have to write about it to move forward with my life. And it was about one day after he passed away that I just let it rip. And I sent it to Daniel Jones and the gang at Modern Love almost on a whim. That's when I got the call from uh, Daniel Jones saying, hey, we're going to cut a few more, you know, things. But outside of that, that's how it all came together. And I just knew that at some point in time, I was I was going to have to say goodbye, of right. course, as we all do. Yes. Now, Tim, your favorite book you mentioned is The Little Prince. Yes. And you would read that book to Dusty. Especially on road trips. And so one of the quotes that says you are responsible forever for what you have tamed. We train dogs, but it was Dusty who really tamed me. He was the mm -hmm. one who said, you know, you got to get up early in the morning. You, know, you make your coffee the night before. Get your clothes out the night before. And then when, when Ilsa came along, she introduced me to this new level of being tame, if you will. Lots of Brussels sprouts, I'm telling yes. you. Good. Yeah, Good for yeah, you. I'm telling you. All those kinds of things and, and uh, eat, eating more balanced diet. And you are responsible for this, you know, the people in your life that you're interacting mm -hmm. with and the dogs in your life that you're interacting with. That's such a beautiful quote. And that is on your, that you have that now as a tattoo. Yeah. Uh, I've got that quote I got on the Sunset Strip in Los Angeles as Dusty sat there and watched. So grateful to you for sharing this, this beautiful story about Dusty. And is there anywhere that we can find you on social media? Oh, yeah. You can find me, Timothy Braun on Facebook and I'm, okay. I'm very open. Uh, I get asked not to be friends with people I don't know all the time. Oh, good. But uh, you can also find me on Twitter, Timothy Braun 42 and Instagram. I'm on uh, Timothy Braun as well. This has been a, a real pleasure to speak to you and good luck with Dory and Gray and um, Lucifer. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is a really lovely time. Thank you, Tim. All we'll right. talk soon. Thanks again. All right. I thought it was so powerful hearing about the strong bond that Tim shared with Dusty and how much the time they had together clearly made an undeniable and irreplaceable impact on each other. And while he's in a new chapter now with getting married, the lessons he learned with Dusty will surely carry over to the lens and heart through which he looks at life. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is a production of As It Should Be, a content studio. It's made with the support of our producer and editor, Jack Summer. Special thanks to our composer and neighbor, Daniel Lampert, for creating the music for the show. You can subscribe to Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave a review or rating. You can also follow us on social media. You can also check out the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, at johnbartlettny.com. Enjoy a walk with your dog and make it a great day for both of you.